Uno. Again, mysteriously appearing out of the shadows, golf spiritual leader and coach Timothy O'Connor. Where have they been? What have they been doing since last they recorded one of this planet's finest golf podcasts? Well, none of your goddamn business. Okay, quit asking all the questions. <laughs> Quit asking us questions. First, he's out of the shadows. He's grumpy out of the shadows. No, I don't like. I just don't like the tone of that listener's question. (laughs) Where, where have you been? None of your business. GSL, you take it to a different level. You're, you're, you're interpreting the questions telepathically. But I guess that's why you're GSL. Exactly. Uh, When you have uh, transcended uh, through golf's, I don't know, ups and downs. This is where you're at. Always great to be with everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We'd certainly appreciate it. You know, let me let me let me go another direction. We do. It's always nice to know uh, people have actually heard this podcast and find something in it to uh, of benefit. Uh, we have a couple of interesting guests today. We'll tell you about them in a second. As always, this program title sponsor. And uh, it's interesting because both Tim and I are representing, if you ever watch this on YouTube, we're representing our two sponsors today. Tim's got a uh, beautiful polo from uh, who is Oscar Bravo. Oscar Bravo. Thank Bravo. you. I just paused for a second because <laughs> I was like, uh, it is Oscar Bravo, but the website is who is Oscar Bravo. And I just want to, can I just pause and say something? You may. Um, I'm just going to admit it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit it, that one man to another man, that uh, you, look, uh, you look better in your Who is Oscar Bravo polos than I do. I'm just going to say it, because you've got great, you know, man-sized biceps, and I just have long spaghetti, uh, I have like B. Arthur arms. I'm just long spaghetti, you know, just no definition, just no, no, no tone, just long spaghetti arms. Everyone loved B. Arthur. On Golden Girls, she was amazing. That's right. Why you know, wouldn't they love you? Do you know where they where she originated? No, on, uh, no. All in the All in the Family. Her character. Oh, yeah. I th- well, I'm going to I say that like I know it, but I believe so. Uh, anyway, she like a housekeeper? Uh, no, no, no. She just was a one of their one. Our, our, she was somehow related to Archie. Anyway, the fact is, if you ever watch this on, that's one of the reasons. So we. So how I know this is that, first of all, I can I usually just see you on Zoom, but I spent the last couple of days with Tim, and yesterday when we got dressed for our tournament, which we'll talk about later, uh, he puts on his Oscar Bravo polo, and I put on mine, and it's, it's clear that he looks like a grown man, and I look like a, you know, a, a, a baby gorilla with these giant arms going every different way. <laughs> anyway, but that's to say, you don't need to have, you know, to be all jacked up like Tim. You know, I'm, just, I'm not saying there's roids, but maybe. You don't need to be all roided out like Tim, but it uh, certainly look at you. Do you not do you not admit what I'm saying is true that you looked great and I looked like some spindly, spaghetti armed nincompoop. You know, uh, it's it's not about me. I'm here to support you. So you're obviously going through some little, little funk in your life, and uh, but it's okay. I accept you as for who you are. But the thing that I thought was great most bet. Amazing, 
<laughs> the thing that I thought was most amusing is that after we got our polls on yesterday in our little hotel room, and we'll talk about why we're in a hotel room later. We Because we're we a couple, our, Tim. We put, just admit we went, it. We went shoulder to shoulder to see who had Oh, yeah. Arms. Yeah, we did. A, and you definitely had longer My arms, arms come down to your halfway. Like, it's so ridiculous. But that's where I get that club head speed from, baby. Uh, listen. Let's not dwell on that because uh, we can get back and, and you know, people, we, just so you know, on today's show, we're going to be talking to the guys that brought this uh, amazing polo that looks great, even if you have long gorilla arms. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Matt Balaban and uh, David Cox. They're going to be with us a little bit later as well. Uh, our title. So you're wearing the Oscar Bravo shirt. I'm wearing a TaylorMade T-shirt. And, of course, TaylorMade is... Uh, our title sponsor. Listen to this. If there's one thing we know golfers want from a driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things. Distance and forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the all-new Stealth 2 with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. Wait, did you say forgiveness like far or forgiveness like forgiveness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I'm hearing far. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Exactly. Rory gets it. The all-new TaylorMade Stealth 2. Learn more at tailormadegolf.ca. And uh, we looked pretty cool yesterday together with our... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just laughed because I just remembered at one point you went and grabbed my clubs. <laughs> and I said, those are my clubs. You went, yeah, but they look like we both have the exact same clubs in both of our bags. That's right. It was pretty funny. Um, also, uh, today brought to you by Stretch Lab. StretchLab.com, the benefits of stretching, improved sports performance, increased range of motion, and flexibility. These are uh, people that basically, they, 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 someone's going to stretch you. It's over a 50-minute uh, period, reduced muscle and joint pain. And you can find out more, including a $55, $59 uh, introductory stretch for 55 minutes at StretchLab.com. Golfers. Uh, this is what you've been waiting for. All right, where do we start? So we start with the regular stuff and then get to the Saugeen Invitational. So the first major, that was our big major, but do you want to talk about the U.S. Open? Is that where you want to start? Uh, yeah. Okay. I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's uh, let's get the transition music. There we go. And now we're going to talk about the U.S. Open. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, Wyndham Clark won, and there was a great story about, obviously, you know, his mother and all that was involved in that. But most of the chatter post-U.S. Open is, when is Rory going to yeah. win another major, or, or can he? That that seems to be the, the main conversation. Um, and I think that, you know, we were talking about it with our, you know, at Sagin yesterday with our group, and... And sometimes I just wonder if um, Rory, there's just so much riding on this now. He's, he's, he becomes the center of the media storm. All the you know, always the questions. One of the guys we played with, you know, what would it be like? Oh, it was Kent. We were standing. Uh, it was at the reception thingy last night, and he's saying like, "What can it be like to have someone ask you day after day after day after day about when will you?" You know, win another one, if you will, and how that must weigh on you. And I'm not; I'm, I, those guys are well trained. They've got really good people in their entourage and help them deal with stuff like that. But it's just one of many other things that make their lives way more complicated than you know back early in Rory's career when he just kind of 
came out of the gate and won his four majors in the same way Jordan won his three majors. So, don't know. But that seems to be the one of the primary conversations is, hmm, is, is, is Rory past the best before date when it comes to majors? The thing about Rory... And I, I was telling you when we were talking about it, like I kind of missed like in, in, in 2011, 12, 13, 14, I was just kind of getting back into golf. I wasn't watching it as much as I do now. And I kind of, you know, I, I think I saw him win one of his majors, but I really wasn't that aware of him. That, that's not true. I was aware of him, but I just wasn't in, as into it as I am now. Two things. Rory McIlroy may never win another major. It just there, There's no guarantees. There's no... You never know. I mean, you'd like to think he would, and I was cheering for him on Sunday. But you don't have to... He, he, you're right. He could be his best by date or whatever. It could just be... That could be it. Four majors, and that's a pretty good career. Mm-hmm. The thing about him, the second thing I've, I've observed recently, Masters, U.S. Open, PGA, or last year at uh, the British Open, the Open Championship, where he basically had the similar, a similar last round, you know, pretty good, is that Rory never seems to do anything like extraordinary or outstanding in the final round. And he had several, several chances. And like one, the one that came to mind was, and it wasn't so much extraordinary, but he, he's 125 yards away from that par five in the back nine, and he misses the green. Okay. Now, that's fine. But like, then get up and down for, you know, you know, you know, don't make bogey or in that moment, like that's the kind of moment where a tiger or a jack or something chips in or something extraordinary happens. It just seems in my observation that nothing extraordinary happens for him in the last round happens lots of times when he's out of it. You know, years a year ago at the Masters, he shot sixty four in the last round. You know, bunker holds that bunker shot, but he wasn't in the mix at that time. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, on Sunday, um, he's a shot behind Clark. Um, he's hit. He's boomed another drive, another Rory like three hundred incredible three hundred and thirty yard drive or something like that, and he knocks it to forty feet or so. Oh, on the, I, you're talking I, I, on, on the 18th hole, yes. On the 18th hole, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. He just doesn't seem to, um, like you say, get kind of locked in. Like he didn't mm-hmm. stuff that second shot. He's got to make a birdie. Yeah. And, and instead of, you know, some kind of crazy great shot to 10 feet or whatever, he kind of waves it out there to 40 feet. Exactly what I'm talking about. Like he, he it's, it's, and it was excruciating because it was, it was almost like... You kind of knew he wasn't going to win. You know, shot on final round 70 in the U.S. Open, which is fine, but it just wasn't good enough. Yeah, I know. And every time he had a putt, it's either like it's three feet short or three feet by. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I know there's like this, he's not as, like, to your point, he just doesn't seem in the majors, in the in the crunch time to get that super dialed in where the, what, with, what happened with... Um, Tiger is that with the excitement, the potential to win, his performance would go up. Yes. The more pressure there was, and it was like his focus would just get that much more narrowed. You could almost see it in the way he walked, the, the, the way his eyes were, the shots. You know, and, 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 you know, that's why, you know, I don't know, there's all these 
you know miracle shots the tiger hit you know the the holding out the 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 amazing shot over the pond at the canadian open in yeah. 2000 i mean he would just rise to the occasion and i don't know if, if rory just there's there's just too much sort of static in the background for him to choose whatever phrase you want to to free it up or to get dialed in whatever it, it just doesn't seem to be happening and and um and I don't know why, but I, I have some good guesses. But well, we were dang, talking. We were talking. We were talking before the show about this documentary I'm watching now called. Uh, it's about the tour. It's called Tour de France Unchained. And and, it, and then we we you brought up the Last Dance with Michael Jordan. And one day they'll do a documentary about Tiger. And the the difference between Tiger Jordan and Rory McIlroy is you turn you find out that. The greatest champions, they have a bit of a mean streak in them. Now, I don't know about Nicholas, but I imagine that Nicholas, you know, knew, you know, he rose to the occasion in major championships. He finished second 19 times. <clears throat> Excuse me, but, but Jordan and Tiger, for sure, were kind of pricks. And I think they, I think that Tory, Tory, that Tory McElroy, that Rory McElroy, doesn't quite have that prickishness about him mm. as well as some of the other elements. But there's like, he's not that guy. He's a competitor for sure. And he wants to beat you for sure. But that's a, that 18th hole is a, a great example of just that willingness, that something in you that just wants to stomp the other guy. So two things come to mind. One is I remember, as you were talking, I remembered. So Nick Price, uh, back in the day in the 90s, he won three majors. And what Nick Price had to do after he won his first or second was, see, Nick would accommodate everybody. If you were a media guy and you caught him going from, say, the range to the clubhouse, and even on a, on a, even on a day he was playing, he would stop and talk to you. But then he had to learn to go, no, I can't do that anymore. Here's... He'd actually give you a card with his agent's name on it. Contact this guy. He'll set it up. So he learned that way. The other thing, like, I can't, uh, I, I have zero idea of Rory's, um, yeah, I hate this phrase, but work ethic. I, I got to think he works really hard. But I do have one insight into Tigers. And so back, um, goodness, I think it was the early 2000s. Tiger was doing a um, an outing at Magna for all the Nike vendors across Canada. So they're all brought in. And so I knew that Tiger's jet touched down at Pearson around 11, 1130. And that, so that meant that obviously he gets on the ground, gets transported to Magna where he sleeps. Well, I get on the property at, um, 6 a.m. I'm in the Magna Clubhouse and I'm standing there with a couple of the Nike guys and up comes up the stairs comes Tiger soaking wet with a trainer. I mean, so what the guy get, you know, four hours sleep. Yeah. Would it be easy to say, oh, I just traveled. I'll take a day off from training. Nope. <laughs> well, that's yeah. the dedication that Tiger put. Like I say, I have zero idea of what Rory does, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Rory. Tiger. Yeah, I'm sure Rory's training regime is probably would blow our minds. But you know, um, it, it wasn't just his work ethic, Tiger. It was the fact that from the moment he was 
conceived, he was brought up to to win everything all the yeah. time. And anyway, um, I wanted to transition to something else, which is uh, what we learned from Ricky Fowler. And I, and I think what we can learn from Ricky Fowler, especially in the context of this program, you know, it's everyone's, it used to be only you and I were saying golf is hard, but, uh, and everyone says it now. And uh, we've been saying it for a long time. It's been, I'm not saying we invented it. I'm just teasing that. We, we don't, it's, it's a, it's become quite the mantra in the golf world and people that you know, I correspond with. But, you know, for a long time, we've been talking about how difficult the game is and how we shouldn't have expectations beyond uh, that of mortal men. But what I learned from what, what we can take away from Ricky Fowler and his, you know, reemergence, like he, we all know he's 150th or whatever in the world. And now he's in his 30th in the world, whatever it is. But I was really impressed, not by the fact that he played so well that he got into the mix on Sunday. I was just really impressed by his, his equanimity around yeah. just being so bad for so long and and still like you know you want to talk about a work ethic still signing all these autographs and you know it's sort of weird like because we we're so as a society as culture so biased to winners and almost and it's to the where we almost don't have it's almost like a cultural empathy for people that are struggling but but until we see them we're like oh i guess we should but what i'm getting at in a ham-handed way is that ricky fowler never thought of himself as a loser he continued to act as though how he was playing on the golf course didn't matter to him obviously it did and last fall he goes to butch help me blah 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 but i i just like the fact that you know through it all he kind of maintained his profile and and uh, he was still as popular with fans and, and golf people. And I was just really tickled for him. I was a bit, I, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I, I didn't think he was going to win on Sunday. Not, I mean, I'd hoped. I was hoping he would. I just didn't think he would. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to ask, having not been in the fire relatively recently. I think that was, of the last 10 majors, that was his fourth. So he's not been And he in hasn't won yet. in four years and, you know. Yeah, all of that, yeah. But I, I, what I loved about him is just like it kind of like no matter what happened, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, he missed a few putts and in Sunday, and like all oh, the head goes back and all that. But he just seemed to take. He just rode at everything. And, and what I like about him is that I mean, a ton of people when he was really in that funk and his ranking went down, man, he was an easy target for the trolling people uh, for being, you know, Mister. Uh, you know, kind of ubiquitous, you know, face of the PGA Tour and commercials yep. and everything, and yeah. he just he just kept kept it up. Yeah, nice paychecks for sure, but it'd be very easy to start to take this stuff personally and to slink and away so, and not and not continue with his profile and yeah. I can't remember. Have we done a show? Because is this you, you were? Was it last week when you weren't feeling well? And or did no, we do a show? It was, was two uh, weeks ago. Before. Okay, because yeah. I just I just thought I can't remember if we talked about the merger, but uh, see, there's a guy R- Ricky Fowler who could have gone to live, yes, uh, just on the you know surfed his profile to a yep. huge paycheck, and I don't recall if they if there were stories about him being you know what he was offered or if he was offered something, but 
But I, I think I like somebody it. floated seventy-five million. You know, and say what you want about the Saudis, but it would be pretty tough for any of us to. You know, I mean, we we'd probably go for some, you know, more who I Oscar Bravo polos. <laughs> you, you, you and I'd be like, are there shirts and golf clubs? OK, we're with live now. <laughs> hey, did you hear the GSL and coach Tim went to live? Yeah, they're with live. What'd they get? Yeah, they, they got some. They threw in really, but they threw some range finders. That, that was that was the, that's what sold them. That's right. The range finders, some shirts and clubs. <laughs> wow, <laughs> they they have no no. What about the morality? Morality for morality. Yeah, and they get they they find three dozen balls in their locker every every turn week. every tournament. And and Tim got and, some new shoes and six hey, new gloves. Hey, uh, STDs, you don't know this about well, maybe Tim's mentioned it, but he loves his shoes, man. And you were not <laughs> you were not impressed with they looked good, but Tim coached him not like his shoes that he was wearing yesterday because they were. But they were too tight on his wide feet. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, live. We, we're going to live. We would go to live for so little. <laughs> Seventy-five million. Are you kidding? Seventy-five hundred worth of stuff. We'd go. We're there. Hey, Saudis, you want us? You got us. I'm telling you right now. If if the PIF uh, is listening and they want to sponsor the show, we're in. Whatever, whatever, whatever you guys say. I love when people get very, you know, and, and again, I know the morality and the Brandel Chamblees and oh, another thing we talked about the last couple of days, you and I, about the U.S. Open is, you know, just how much shit everyone is pouring on Paul Azinger or as you oh call my God. him, Zinger. Oh. And as I said people to calling you, for his to yeah. be fired and stuff. And as I said to you, uh, I give the guy lots of room because of a couple of reasons. One is the credibility of him as a golf player, Ryder Cup yeah. captain, one of the mo- Ryder Cup player, one of the most competitive guys I've ever seen play golf. Just a yeah. gritty, you, you want to talk about a guy with a mean streak, you know, just a real gritty, you know, doesn't no back down, very, very good golf player. So I give him that credibility. On the other hand, and, and as well, not the other hand, but as well, he, he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's getting people... The, the more people that are angry at you, it means that they're still hanging on his every word. Like NBC loves Paul Azinger. I guarantee it. They're, they're doing the opposite. They're not thinking of firing him. They're thinking, wow, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why they would fire him if he got no reaction. The there guys that hate Brandel Chambly have no idea how much the Golf Channel loves that guy. Because and, and the more they troll him and call for you know I got into a thing with a guy on Brandel Chambly recently and I said you're just so dumb you don't realize Uh, that I said you're so dumb you don't realize that the more you guys complain about him the more the golf channel loves it because as a broadcaster for now going on 50 years I can tell you the worst thing that can happen to you is if nobody has a reaction well Johnny Miller got same because Johnny Miller you know he would say the guy choked Thing. And you didn't, <clears throat> as a broadcaster, you didn't really say that. And so people were really took umbrage. Uh, one quick story. I remember playing uh, in this little outing thing uh, with Ches Reevy, the defending yeah. Canadian Open champion. And uh, we got on the tee with him. And I said something about Johnny Miller uh, at the Ryder Cup, and I, I said how much I like Johnny Miller. As <laughs> Reevy just looks at me, he goes, "Johnny Miller's an asshole." Mm-hmm. <laughs> All let, the let, players hate him. Yeah, and, and I just, went, and I just said, 
I waited a whole or so. I said, I, I said, Chez, Johnny's not when he's doing his gig as the broadcaster, the analyst. He's not there to serve you. He's there to serve the, the audience. And he's to interpret. So, yeah, he's going to say some things that you might not like. People, if, if you go back and look up how, how what the reaction was to Johnny Miller in the first four or five years, same period of time as, as Azinger, mm-hmm. people hated him. Not just the players. Audience couldn't stand him. He was he was very much like what Zinger's, Azinger is going through now. Um, because now Johnny Miller is like, oh, my God, he was the greatest, blah, blah, blah. Yep. But he wasn't the greatest when it started. But he no. did get that reaction. Now, I don't think the players have as much, what do you call that, vitriol, but as much, they don't feel like that about Paul Azinger because that's not really his style. But listen, you can't argue that Paul Azinger and Johnny Miller had exactly the same, um, well, no, man, the Johnny Miller won two majors, I think, but basically similar resume, right? Miller yep. won the U.S. Open and the British Open. Yep. But it's not like Paul Azinger's some guy off the tour. He's like, he's the real deal. Yeah, he's a bit hokey and folksy, and but the um, the reaction to him is like way over the top. Well, also consider that when Johnny Miller came in uh, with NBC, I you didn't have social media being as ubiquitous right. as it is. So when Zinger or you know anyone these days, Great you point. make the slightest flow flow. Flow paw, bang! It's it's out there. That's and a great point. Jumps jumps in on it and shares it, and then then it just kind of goes from this little thing that people would have heard, and now it's it becomes kind of part of this almost media storm. That is a great point. When, when there was no social media when Johnny Miller started, but there was Golf Digest and magazines, and people did not like him. And uh, but yeah, especially you know, I. I I love Randall Chamblee. I just think he's so smart. He's so smart, and he is so good at being a TV guy. I tell you this. Um, he is good at the broadcasting game. Uh, very few guys. I mean, I, you, oh, here comes our buddies. But very few guys that didn't do broadcasting for a living can do broadcasting like Brandel. Yeah. Well, just quickly on Zinger, just before we go into with Dave and Matt, um, I think it would be fair. I don't know how long... Azinger's been doing the the thing <clears throat> quite uh, a while, actually, as as the analyst. But I, you make you learn by making mistakes, and I think that one of the things that he may have learned is just maybe to let the moment play itself out before he jumps in. I think that's some of the things that people are jumping on. Is that I think it was ninth or tenth hole that Clark hit a chip and. Azinger said, "Oh, it's not. Always missed it. It's not going to get to the hole." Oh yeah, oh. yeah, that's right. It ended up by the hole. Yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, he's he's been at it a decent amount of time, but uh, let's switch gears. And uh, I know, guys, I said to Tim at the start of the show, you think Matt and Dave will care that I'm not wearing the shirts? <laughs> They've seen me wear one of their shirts. I guarantee you, Matt's not going to give a shit. And you know, Dave does whatever Matt says. I'm kidding. Uh, please welcome to our program. Actually, it's the other way around. Uh, welcome to our program. Two very fine gentlemen finally getting them together. Although we've had a, a sneak preview. Last week, hanging out with uh, David Cox and Matthew Balaban. Hello, gentlemen. Good morning. Good to see you, pal. 
from OscarBravo.com. You know, when you when you go back and listen to this show, if you do, you'll see at the beginning of the program, I was uh, talking about how much better Tim looks in the shirts than I do because I have giant long arms, you know, big spaghetti arms, and Tim's all buffed, you know, from doing uh, 800 push-ups a day or whatever he does. I suspect there's some chemicals involved, but that's just me. Uh, but boys, uh, listen, there's no doubt that these are the finest golf polos anybody has ever seen so congratulations oh thank you thank you it's been uh it's definitely been a labor of love for for both matt and i for for quite some time actually i mean covid covid did us no favors with uh you know delays and and that sort of thing but it took a long time to find the right fabrics the right manufacturer the right partners to work with uh we we pissed a lot of people off along the way with our high expectations um, but we're pretty happy with the end result. You know, Matt, you said something while we were playing. We had a nice game uh, last week uh, in the rain. Well, for 12 holes anyway, in the rain at uh, the paintbrush. And Matt, you were talking about, because we've tried to convey to the audience how unique each of these shirts are. There's only 100 of each design made. And Matt, I think you were telling me when you were giving the instructions, like all the little details, and every time you say to somebody, okay, I want this, they go, that's way too expensive. Because just recreate that if you can. Yeah, we we did everything backwards. So according to every business model and every, every business school you'd go to, they would say, don't do it this way. Um, everybody's so price conscious. But there are people in the world that really just want something great. So really, Dave and I, it sort of started, and I'm just going to step back a second. It started when I was at my pro shop at my at my club, bought a really cool shirt. It wasn't cheap. I really liked it. And uh, now I bought it because I just got a stain on the shirt I was wearing, <laughs> which... <laughs> Howard, you may be able to identify with that sort of move. Hey, let me just tell you, I start. I actually start with shirts that have a stain on it now because I figured, why not? Okay, just let's pre-stain it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah you're going warmed up, right? Exactly. So, so bought a really, really nice shirt, put it on, feeling like a for me a hundred bucks, and walk into the walk into the the clubhouse. Three other people are wearing the same shirt, and I'm thinking, like, I'm not on a sports team here. So it sort of took that. <laughs> that love of my shirt that made me feel special took that away. And uh, Dave and I were talking about it. And I said, look, like we're both not looking for a new job. If we're going to do this with passion, let's do it right. Let's mm-hmm. make something that is absolutely fantastic and make something that we'd want to wear. So then it became like Dave said, a, a very much a labor of love. And we, we drove a lot of potential vendors nuts sending samples of, of material back. No, no, no. There were a lot of no's. And then eventually we found the right material, which led us to the right manufacturer. And, and we explained all the things we wanted. And they said, well, that's going to cost more. And we said, we don't care. Well, if we do that in low quantities, that'll cost a lot more. We don't care. Well, doing it this way would be cheaper. We don't like it that way. We want it this way. Well, it's going to be more expensive. And that was always what they came back to, with, mm. back to us with. And our response was always, we don't care. We are not focused on what the shirt costs. We're trying to make the best possible shirt we can make. And then we'll figure out what it costs. Mm-hmm. Do it the other way around. And that's what we came up with. So what were some of the qualities that you were looking for? What, in your judgment, maybe Dave, goes into a great golf shirt? 
Uh, I mean, beyond the obvious things like fit and, you know, the, the, the visual appeal to it. I mean, you know, Matt's always been somebody who, you know, Matt, I'm going to throw you a bit under the bus here, Matt, but, you know, Matt buys a lot of clothes and, and does a lot. His, his closet is very full. So, um, you know, he certainly has an eye for, for something that looks good and, and likes to look good. Um, but it was more, you know, finding, you know, we, we didn't want to create another, and I'm not going to, you know, name, we all know the brands of, of, you know, who make right. traditional golf shirts, but we weren't, weren't trying to create another, you know, performance polo or, uh, you know, something that we just, we wanted something that looked good, that felt good. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very expensive feeling fabric. It's truthfully, it's very expensive fabric. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, like Matt said, going into it under a different sort of mindset of, of, you know, not their traditional model of let's try to sell, you know, thousands and thousands of these things, you know, let's create the best thing we could possibly create and find a very few people or very limited number of customers who, uh, you know, who want to participate in that. Well, and there's a couple of touches. And again, we've tried to convey to the audience just how the uniqueness of them, but Maddie or Dave, like just kind of go through, I mean, you know, the fact that every caller has a little swatch of it on the arm, but only on one arm. I mean, like, that's the kind of thing that but I think you were talking about, Matt. You're like, how did that conversation go? Yeah, so, so that was a lot of conversations, a lot of frustration. Um, we were explaining to them that we only want it on one sleeve and, and they kept saying, well, then the shirt's going to be unbalanced. Why? Well, you're going to have this tab and it's not going to look right. we got to put it on both and we need a stretchy material. There were, Really, what it came to was that there was every reason why not, which is why we said, okay, then that's why we're going to do it. Right. It, you know, just the little accents are what bring it together. Right. So it looks good if it's on its own. It looks good when you wear it untucked, or you can throw a blazer on it and you can wear it. So we wanted something that wasn't just a golf shirt, and a, and a lot of golf brands do loud. Uh, so really, you can only wear it on the golf course. We wanted to do, I would say, loud but not obnoxious. So you can wear something with polka dots or camo. It can be loud, but it can be worn in other environments as well. So sure. It's not just yeah, golf. and that, that was a big thing for us too. Is it, you know taking something that you could, like Matt said, you could take it off the golf course. You could you could wear it to the office. You could wear it in a meeting. You could you know there, it just wear it up for dinner with your significant other. I mean, there's um, you know it, it was more than just let's just create a you know a shirt that's great for golf. And I like the fact that you nailed like some really interesting details. Like it's the right length for being untucked. Exactly. It doesn't look like you're in except for Howard with his long arms. Yeah. Well, listen. The only here's the only my only complaint about the shirt, and it's not listen. It's not your fault that I have giant monkey arms, but the. It, you know, like tr- tr- a lot of traditional polos come down to your elbow. The fact is, these don't, and they look great on people with normal human arms. I just, <laughs> I just, the huge I just biceps that you have. Howard. It's just yours are much longer. Ex- than I don't have. Wide. Listen, buddy. I've, <laughs> I, what, what, here's what I do. I got a little. I have a little tip for you people like me who have made, giant monkey arms. What I do is I often will wear the sun sleeves, so it breaks up the line, and people don't notice that my arms continue for days um they, they you know apparently let's, we need to make oscar bravo sun <laughs> sleeves now matt uh, take take notes by the way yeah. the uh the, the uh, website is always is who is oscar bravo.com and uh I, I when i listen to you guys talk about it and having a, the chance to spend the day with you was just a lot of fun and we had 
there was just a I've had a series of days lately where I realized I didn't play that good, but I had lots of laughs. And apparently golf's supposed to be fun, too. Who knew? But uh, we had a a great day. And and listening to you guys talk about the the creation of this brand, it, it sort of reminds me of like, you know, if there's not not everyone wants a $20 bottle of wine. Nothing wrong with it, but not everyone wants it. Some people want a more expensive wine, and what goes into the making of those kind of bespoke items are the guy are guys with vision like you two. And as you've said and today and you said the other day, there were lots of points along the creation road where you could have said, "Okay, we'll just do this cuz it's cheaper." But you've made it for people who don't necessarily care if it's cheaper. They just want to make sure that it's done right. Yeah. And we recognize that that's not for everyone, you know, but there is definitely a market of people who who like finer quality things. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about, you know, a shirt or a bottle of wine or a car or whatever it is. I mean, you know, there's definitely a market for for high end items. Well, you've made kind of made the whole thing shall we say an experience exactly like even when you when you when it arrives so it arrives in this an interesting crafted wooden box box doesn't seem to be the, the right <laughs> word but what's the story behind that we wanted something special so my original thought was when you buy some you know there's some very very cool even electronic brands out mm-hmm. there think about I'm sure everybody here's got an iPad or an iPhone from seven, eight years ago, sitting around collecting dust somewhere on the shelf. You've probably kept the box. Why? It's ridiculous. Why would you keep that box? But it just feels there's something. It's a nice box. Mm-hmm. People keep things like that. And sometimes there's no reason. Right. So with what we figured is, well, if we're going to be doing this, let's create a box that can be used for another purpose it's something people want to keep we take a lot of pride in everything we've done with the shirt the materials the way it's manufactured where it's manufactured it it, we couldn't put it in a in a regular box it just wouldn't make sense (laughs) it's like taking your ferrari and yeah and putting going to canadian tire and throwing the cheapest tires on it just doesn't make sense so it would have been it would have been disloyal to the brand to do it any other way right well i know truthfully speaking i'm going to ask the question that i think is the most important one that i've been waiting to ask and that is so on the little care thingy that comes and how to so it says it's never so hot that you have to take your shirt off don't be that guy <laughs> What's the inspiration for that one? So, so Matt, Matt's got a weird sense of humor, and and uh, I don't know if he on the website too. Under, I think under the wash instructions, there's some reference to the fact that your mom doesn't do your laundry anymore. Right? <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, Matt, Matt's, you know, uh, I'm always getting a little notes from Matt or finding coming across things that that you know Matt gives will you know give me something, and then I look at it and it's inscribed with some ridiculous you know, whatever on, on, you know, a putter head or the, the shaft of my right. driver or, you know, that kind of stuff. So uh, there, there's always a little touch that Matt throws in as a curveball somewhere. And to be fair, I, I do my laundry. And one of the first things I asked you guys to the beginning That's was not a brag, by the way, you can't flex that. I, I do. Okay. Listen, I'm an independent man. Uh, I'm just, you know, I, I say it's not true. Uh, I'm surrounded by uh, you women who rule my life. Um, here's the thing. They, it, you know, we haven't, I don't think we've ever said the number on the show. 
of what these these shirts cost. But just take our word for it. You're going to want to be careful when you wash them. And I was I was nervous. One of the first things I said to Dave, I was like, "What do I do?" And 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 I've washed it on delicate. But you know, the thing is, they're pretty they're pretty hardy. Like I I've, yeah. I've now washed them all at least once or well, at least once. And um it's they're bragging again. I know. But I but other than making sure the collar thingy gets you know pushed in and you 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 uh What's the word I'm looking for? You, you uh, button. I was going to say tie. Do all the buttons up. Do all the buttons up. It's just hanging to dry. It's pretty good. It's pretty durable. Is my point. We designed the shirt so it wasn't a pain in the ass to own. Right. Um, when I shop for clothing, if it says dry clean only on it, no thanks, because I know that I'm going to mess it up. That's a that's a guarantee. Yeah. So um, simple things like uh, I don't like waking up in the morning and ironing my clothes before I go out the door. So as long as and, and we design the fabric and we tested it, the fabric itself, the body of the shirt, your body heat will take care of the wrinkles. So now you don't have to worry about ironing it. Uh, you know, just like you said, button up the collar, hang it to dry, pinch it flat. The rest will take care of it. By the way, for some reason, both Connor and I got, we got very impressed by the body heat point. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just we see did, our yeah. faces. Both of our faces are like, really? The body heat? Wow. <laughs> Which, by the way, another, another thing you're going to hear if you listen back to the show is that Tim and I decided that we would have gone to live for some golf clubs and some Oscar Bravo shirts. We're live guys now. We don't give a shit. <laughs> there, there can be enough money. I understand. That's I right. Understand. But I also got so, so there's eight different is it eight different polos only 100 each what i thought was amazing is that when we showed up at devil's paintbrush last week somehow miraculously that's right all showed up in different polos but how did i when we were playing together in the soggy and senior invitational um we both brought two shirts each true story yeah true story we get to the hotel two nights ago and uh, I, without even speaking to each other, we both brought two just in case there was only one and we weren't going to be those guys. And what, there's a story, too. So we were playing with Matt and uh, Dave uh, last week, and Tim sends out an email or a text or whatever saying, hey, should we coordinate uh, so we don't wear the same shirt? I said, no, let's just go free range, man. Let's just see. Let's leave it up to the universe and see what happens. And it was true. Not one of us was wearing the same one. I'm sure we could spend the rest of the show, you know, figuring out the mathematical odds. Of, exactly. Of how improbable that probably was. But you're right. So with with, you know, eight shirts and, and we've also got kind of a neat T-shirt design that uh, that we did is just a fun little side project. Um, but, yeah, you would think that if four of us showed up somewhere, at least two of us should be wearing the same thing. I wonder what it, what would be odds be bigger on all four of us showing up with different shirts out of a possible eight options or the fact that one of us sank a, a, a 135 yard shot from the fairway and two of the guys playing didn't see it didn't see it Sorry, <laughs> it was such a cool moment between me and Kauk so I hit the shot I happened to go in Kauk says I think it's in I go yeah it is and we look over to Tim and, and Matt and you're looking for a ball and I say just don't say anything to him don't, just, don't tell him <laughs> I thought I thought you were just you had had enough we walk up to the to the yeah. green and you've got your hands in your pockets and you're you've got a bit of a no, smirk no putter no putter, no putter. Yeah. said no no I'm done oh no, what, one of you, yeah, you said, you said to me, are you, are you out of the hole? And I said, no, I'm in the hole. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just matter of fact, like, oh, not bad. Good oh, 
Yeah, but, yeah it, was a Sorry, funny, that. it was a funny moment between me and Cubs. We just sort of looked at each other, each other and smiled because yeah. you guys were. We, we kind of we kind of did the high five and got the cart, and <laughs> got the cart and left. So, yeah. Oh God! Anyways, guys, uh, I, if you here's the thing, folks, folks, go to whoisoscarbravo.com. Uh, I have a couple questions as we wrap up, are, and I, it just occurred to me: Are you? As again, it's not the greatest business model, but are you going to continue this? Is this going to continue to another season of Oscar Bravo polos? Yeah, the, the nice thing we did, I mean, unlike a traditional clothing manufacturer, you know, we don't have we don't have to necessarily come out with, you know, a spring line and then a summer line and a fall line. Like we'll, you know, when inspiration hits, we'll add more items. Um, you know, we're right now we're looking at pants and shorts and, and things we can add to it. We're also looking at, at other kind of bespoke items that, you know, aren't necessarily clothing, but just, you know, really high end, neat things that we really like and and imagine that there are other people that like the same thing. So, you know, we might do some, you know, some some leather weekend duffel bags or just, you know, some really neat things that, that are, again, we'll, we'll limit the quantity and only do, you know, a hundred of, of each, each item sort of thing. That's kind of our our go-to um but yeah we're looking at, at sort of many other things but there's really no timeline for us on on when that'll happen okay have you booked your booth at the pj merchandise show <laughs> <laughs> absolutely we, not yeah, yeah <laughs> that's that, like because, because we do, you know we don't want these to be you know mass distributed i mean the that said early in in the interview we want you to be able to go to your club and you'll be the only guy wearing the shirt you know, other than when the four of us. That's get right. Play, play unless, yeah. Course, but, unless you're with us. Uh, who is OscarBravo.com, man? What a pleasure to have, uh, have finally get you guys on the show. And we really appreciate your support of this podcast. Uh, our podcast is like Oscar Bravo. You know, it's a little more bespoke. It's not like one of those mass, no laying up bullshit. This is, you know, it's a, it's a very tiny you know audience. Pardon me? You know your audience. Exactly. It's a very tiny but very dedicated audience. And, I don't uh, always do a podcast, but when I do. Exactly. Yes. Uh, listen, guys, David Cox, uh, Matthew Balaban, and uh, who is OscarBravo.com. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Pleasure, guys. Good Have to see you guys. Thanks. Yeah. I wonder if Liv hears this. They'll be uh, sad they didn't snap us up for so little. We could have just gone over there for so little. Some shirts and clubs? Yeah. That's all it took. What about Ian Poulter? He'd be all over these things. Oh, yeah. That's right. They should they should get Dean Poulter and then uh, lose some of the uniqueness. Uh, yeah, we. I will say because I know people have asked me how much do they cost. It's one of those things. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. There you go. But that's yeah. not really true. They're 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 affordable if if you're the kind of person that wants something that is, as they said, very very unique and. You know, I use that word bespoke because I learned it from an ex-girlfriend, but it is, these are the definition, <clears throat> excuse me, of bespoke, you know. Um, yeah, I forgot about the fact that I sank that. That's the second time, you know, I've gone probably eight years. I play, whenever the uh, the Ontario Mid-Am was held at Burlington, that was either 2016 or 2015, the last time I sunk something from the fairway. And then all of a sudden, in the last month and a half, I've done it twice. But <laughs> what we didn't tell in that story is that it was a it was a terrible day. It was raining and just chaos and cold and mm-hmm. and you and we were so I blocked fucked my drive off the tee into some fescue. Barely found the ball, just decaded out, you know, chipped it out to the fairway. Then you guys 
you were in the cart with Matt, and you guys were looking for a ball, and Dave had hit his drive down the middle. So Dave and I were on the left side of that fairway, and I said to Dave, you know, where would, where would I want to land it, blah, 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 and I just hit a nice little 135-yard shot while you guys were looking for your ball and raining and cold, and we're not really paying attention. It was, it was my third shot. It wasn't my second shot. It was for birdie, <laughs> which, was, which is pretty funny because it's like, did that just go in? I'm like, yeah, I think so. It's like, oh, cool. And we just kind of quietly slapped hands and just looked at you guys with your backs to us. <laughs> Fuck. I know, but it was funny to me. It was like the, the pang of guilt <laughs> that I felt. What? Oh, you jarred it, and I didn't even see it, and I didn't even congratulate you. You know what? I, I'm sorry you felt guilty because it was just fun. It was better that way. It was just so funny because I knew I was going to walk up to the green and you guys, because we'd been, we, all of us had been out of a hole by that point. You know, it was pouring rain off and on. And that's when Matt said, are you out of the hole? I was like, no, I'm actually over there in the hole. In the hole. Um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, yesterday's, uh, you know what? Here's what we'll say. Coach Tim and I have now done this two years in a row. Yeah. Yesterday was not our finest golf, but I will say the following. That it was probably the most, other than, not other than, but I've had a lot of rounds like yesterday where I just laughed my head off at various times in the day. The golf at times was pretty good. Both of us hit some good shots. Both of us hit some horrible shots. But man, uh, we were with uh, fellow guru Ken Osborne, Scratch Attitude Dude, and his pal John. And we had some, we laughed our heads off. For for six and a half hours because it's a lot. It's twenty seven hole two man event. And uh, here's what I'll say because I did look at the scores before I left because I wanted to have the information. We were not last. Okay, they beat us by one shot. Those guys, one really. Those guys, <laughs> and we had a quad. No, we had a triple. <laughs> we, was that an alternate shot? We had our triple. Yes, it yeah. was. We had a triple and a double. Man, alternate shot was rough on our team. I know, but I, I just think it speaks to the um, the maturity of our relationship, oh, shall yeah. we say? Because <laughs> I, you know, alternate shot. I always joke about you know um, there should be an alternate shot set up for marriages that are just on the edge, mm. you know, whether they're going to implode or not. If you can survive the alternate shot, then your marriage is going to be fine. Um, and I think that. W- there's just so much potential for things to kind of go off the rails in those with some sulking and finger pointing, but there was none of that. It was just, you know, I hit some, we, yeah, I, I hit a couple of shots. It was like, really? Come on, really? And, mm, you know, I, I, was no- just like, I noticed. And I, yes, of course. And all I would hear, I didn't even look at you. I would just sort of hear a, I didn't decide. And you would have to turn around and walk back to the cart and get your wedge. Oh, that one, yes, when you hit the, when you went. I, I, you know, it's for some, for some reason, you went, I think you did the same thing last year. You, It was a tough shot that he had. It was like a really tough, like a, a very steep Stanley Thompson uphill, like a, a pitch up a very steep oh, incline. Yeah. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. I, I, I had to go back and hit. It, it, listen, the whole thing was chaos. Like, I... Like like a lot of my golf this year, I had moments where I just you know would hit it great and roast it, and then like I got a little like it's interesting how the day ebbed and flowed because you know there were moments early on where you were sort of in a bit of chaos, and then we kind of settled down, and then we both hit it pretty decent for a while, and then the last three or four holes was the best you hit it all day, like ridiculous, like the best swing, the last three holes especially were the best swings all day, like. 
And I was like, where's that reserve of energy coming from? I was like, here's how bad it was for me. By that time, I was playing a colored ball, like a yellow and orange golf. <laughs> and it was because I, uh, I had to go back to my bag. And, or, no, and, and Ken gave me one of his. And I was playing. It was just chaos. Meanwhile, you come out of the rise from the ashes. To, and by, this was better with different formats. But it was so funny. Yeah. Just so funny because uh, you like that was the best you hit it all day, except for the very last hole when you got disgusted by your second shot. The fact that you had energy that also amused me. <laughs> the fact that you had on the very last hole, the twenty seventh hole, we teed off at nine. It's now three fifteen in the afternoon, and uh, you hit, you had a good drive again. I had an okay drive, and um, and then you pull hooked your second shot. You were like really pissed, and I was like, well. On you, Tim O'Connor, but man, I'm where, where did that energy come from? Well, disgust, could disgust. Bring up all kinds <laughs> that's of right. That's right, disgust driven energy. Um, oh, yeah. I will tell you that the ebbs and flows of this golf season for me are just uh, very, very funny because I have never putted as well as I have the last two weeks, like it's crazy. Yeah, you, you, you putting was definitely the best part of your game. And it's and, uh, never been the best part of my game for as long as I've been doing this podcast. I'm an average putter. I hit a lot of greens, and on days I shoot under par, the days I putt well. But I've been putting well now just to shoot like pretty high scores. But yesterday was another... I sank a couple really long putts. The eight-footers that I sank, I've been sinking... A, you know, it's it's weird how golf works, does isn't it, Coach? Fucking golf. So sick of it. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, golf, politics, religion. It's all mystery. It is a mystery. And uh, no, we didn't finish last. I think there was uh, many groups uh, with higher scores than ours. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I've uh, it, since you inspired me to get into tournament golf about three, four years ago. Is that as bad as it goes? There's always some poor sap who's oh, worse. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I remember at their early bird this year. Um, yeah, I had my uh, my ten, which we've talked about. We've worked through my. Um, anyways, um, so I get on and I see the guy who shot a hundred, and I see him on the range the next day, and on the range he's striping it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't miss a shot. The guy shot a hundred the day before. Huh. Well, yeah, I'm glad I inspired you. I mean, I, you know, I've played, I'm trying to think, yesterday was probably the, uh, you know, the seventh or eighth tournament I've played this year, or tournament round, like last week. Like, I played, uh, I had a Senior Rider Cup event this week on Tuesday, then I drove to uh, Port Elgin, I guess, was where I was on Wednesday, then I, no, Port Elgin was Wednesday afternoon. It was like three days in a row in different places mm-hmm. playing tournament golf, and at some point you realize, like, I, I said this to somebody, you know, I've, I've had six or seven rounds of tournament golf in the last nine days in various forms, whether it's club or provincial or, or a little invitational, and uh, I'm, you know, yeah, I'm 63 and I'm tired, but I don't know how those guys do it. And it's like week after week of their preparation. A lot of those guys start on Monday and they go till Sunday or they start on Tuesday. It's just never ending. And, you know, if you get into a little bit of a slump, which I am definitely in terms of my like I, I had an experience the other day in a qualifier where I was just hitting it horribly. And then all of a sudden I hit it great. 
And the thing that was frightening about it is I had no idea why. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> totally. like, again, mystery. mystery. Yeah, like, like all of a sudden I go from pull hooking is like every single swing to all of a sudden I just flag this six iron and the guys are like, good shot. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, anyone know what? Can anyone tell me what I just did? Oh yeah. Anyway, well, why is the worst question one could ever ask? Anyways, um, well, we're going to wrap. Have, it. I need to, I'm interjecting. Yeah, um, go ahead. I was going to wrap. Do you ever up. have this happen? Like every once in a while, because we're in, we're getting in the thick of the season, right? With tournaments, um, member events, club C's, uh, match play at the club and stuff. I, I'll tell you, like I'm playing tomorrow morning. And it's kind of like. Phew, tomorrow's just for fun. <laughs> what were you going to ask? That's it. Do you ever have that feeling of like, okay, good. This, there's nothing, there's you know, nothing on, on this line, line well, here today. I'm going to have fun other the, than maybe 20 bucks. The day we played with Matt and Dave was the last time I played a round of golf where I had to, where I, we didn't have to hole out. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, in, in the, the last couple of weeks into the next couple of weeks, I don't have very many rounds. A week from... A week from yesterday, I'm playing with a buddy of mine who doesn't really golf very much. A friend of his has invited both of us to go play wooden sticks Ooh. for funsies. And that'll be the next time that I don't have to hole out every putt. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm definitely, I don't, we, don't, we don't have time because I know you got to go and you got a coaching call. But I'll just say this. Um, I got a note the other day from our friend Paul Doolin just saying, hey, Howie, uh, how are things? And I said, uh, good. You know, I haven't talked to Paulie for a while. And inevitably in the conversation, the text conversation, he said, how's the golf game? And I wrote back one word, frustrating. And he sort of smiled. And uh, he said, do you remember how I define frustration in golf? And I said, you know, I'm old, Paul. I can't remember how this conversation started. <laughs> Here's what he said. He, says, he said, well, in his world, and free people don't know, Doolin works with a lot of tour players. He said, when expectations are placed on things we don't control. There you go. And that is how GSL will leave it for you people today. When expectations are, ple- are placed on things we don't control, um, that's where that golf malaise comes in. And so all I would say is, you know, f- this weekend I've got the club championship tomorrow. I have the club championship Saturday, Sunday. I have a tournament Monday. I have a match on Wednesday. Is that all you can control is, you know, the things you can control. And Doolin's been saying that. You say it. And it's easy to say here, having a little chat with your buddy, Tim, it's just hard to do in the moment, you know, <laughs> but, um, as we saw yesterday, yesterday on the last hole when you lost your shit momentarily, which I loved, by the way. Yeah, I know. I cleaned off that six iron. <laughs> All right. Uh, I didn't have to lean on it to, to pry it out. No, <laughs> no, you didn't. Oh, this is nice. What is this? That's not the theme, but it's a nice song. Yes. All right. Thanks to uh, our boys, Matt. And, uh, yeah, it was our story. It's on the same Spotify playlist. Uh, Coach Tim, you can uh, check out his uh, blog. And I'm sorry, his stuff is Substack. What's it called again? Uh, Toconnor.substack.com. And the uh, name of your thing is Up and Down, isn't it? Yep. I love it. Uh, and of course, Humble and Fred Radio. Thanks to uh, Who is Oscar Bravo Stretch Lab. And of course, our title sponsor, Taylor Made Golf. Find out more and learn to roast your stealth too, like Coach Tim and I, at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. You feel alright when you hear the music ring. Well, now you step in.
inside, but you don't see too many faces. 